Oh boy, you know, all those intros are a little too hype right now for the mood. It's a somber episode today. Somber episode of DeMartin Download. Ian Gilmore, Adam Baker, Luca Maloney, as always, usual cast and crew, welcome in Facebook Live, welcome in listeners on wherever you're listening to this podcast. Uh, it's quick, re- quick reacts day. First ever uh, post-game episode of DeMartin Download. Michigan State, boy, as if there wasn't already three daggers in their heart, I feel like. Another one just got added to the back, maybe? Put one in the back today. Heart and back. Heart and back. Legs. Wherever it is, it, it still hurts. It hurts. Uh, they lose in devastating fashion for what feels like the 19th time in a row um, to Michigan, this time in overtime. Uh, we'll get to that. Um, we'll start with that, actually. Um, so, you know, guys, this is – MSU looked good today, to be to put flat out. Like, they looked good. They played well. This is the first time I feel like they've done well going forward without Farai Mutatu. And, you know, we haven't seen too many games like that, but uh, in the games that he hasn't been around, they've struggled. They struggled against Maryland to get anything going forward. Um, and Fry was out again today. Yet they looked threatening. They looked good going forward. They were solid in the back for most of the game. And, and so it, it makes it even, I feel like, even harder to swallow because of all those things. But Nick Stone gets his first career goal in the first half. Um, but unfortunately, he was kind of on uh, the other end of things, made the first glaring mistake that led to Michigan's equalizer by the 6'6 center back, Jackson Reagan, in the 82nd minute, a finish that was worthy of a striker, not a center back. Michael Miller gets sent off about two minutes into overtime, and don't even ask me how, but Michigan somehow score on a ball that bounces in the penalty area off a throw-in, and then the smallest guy maybe in the entire place Scores on a header. Um, lots to dissect, lots to get into. Adam, first, your thoughts. Yeah, so, I mean, going to the early stages of the game, I was, I thought Michigan was going to dominate based on how they started the game. They look re- very press resistant, seem like they're always getting numbers forward or getting chances at least. And then, like, 20 minutes in, you realize Michigan hadn't had a real shot from any of that. They never looked dangerous, and the two best chances fell to Connor George and Will Perkins going forward. Tough for either of them to turn it into a goal, but they looked dangerous. Both of them got a shot on target out of it. And then it yeah, looked like Michigan State had chances to counter Michigan. Great play for the goal. Michael Miller's cross sent out to the edge of the box. Nick Stone first to it. Perfect placement on the where he was and where he put the ball for the goal. Looked good going into the half. And then the second half, it was just... It looked like the score was backwards. Michigan State was up 1-0, but they were the team pressing for a second goal. Michigan were, were forced to really sit deep, pick their opportunities to go forward. Which is different than what we've seen from MSU. Against Indiana, they, they went up 1-0, they were up 1-0 at halftime, and then they sort of sat back. Yeah, and even games Michigan State was trailing, we haven't seen them open it up that much, yeah. trace, chasing a goal. And I liked it. I think we all thought that if they tried to sit back for the whole half, Michigan was going to end up breaking yeah. through. Yep. And... They were unlucky not to score. Michael Miller had a shot blocked when he cut in. Vidad had a few chances, wasn't able to make them fall. And then, I guess, just you, Michigan had like three straight, four straight counters where it looked like they could have got something. And, the, and 
Jackson Reagan, who was their best player on the night, took matters into his own hands, slowly worked his... Started off as a center back, played center mid for some, like, half of the second half, found himself striker, and even though it was a center back, as soon as he was about to shoot, I told Luke, okay, you know 25's not missing. He hadn't, <laughs> he hadn't put a pass wrong all night, long ball, press. So now when it fell to him, I knew it was about to be 1-1. Yeah, absolutely right, Adam. Uh, Adam and I talked about this starting at the second half. We said if Michigan State is not going to press and try to get that second goal to secure a 2-0 lead, I said this game is not going anywhere. Personally, I thought Michigan State played one of their best games I've ever seen. Yep. Um, again, passing through the middle, even though in that first half they were outpossessed, I thought Michigan did a brilliant job at moving the ball around, You know, getting out of pressure, moving into areas where where they were able to create more chances. But at the end, I thought their front three, front two, weren't able to create anything dangerous. And Michigan State took charge of that. Um, Again, when Michigan State had the ball in that first half, they pushed forward with all their players they, and tried to get as many numbers as they can because that midfield in Michigan was so congested that you have to put numbers in there. Um, let's, let's get into a little bit of more of the specifics, especially that red card in, in overtime, because that really switched the way things were. Like you guys said, Michigan State took it to Michigan in the second half, which is something we haven't really seen when they've been up in games. Looked like they were going to get a second, somehow didn't, you know, whatever Michigan needed to do along the back, they did. Um, red card, after what, in real time, I said, what, what, I don't know about that, I don't know if that's a red once right away, once I watched it back on replay, I was like, "Nope, yeah, that's a nailed on red." Here's what Damon Rensing had to say about it after the game. The, the the problem with the red card is it's not so much the call in itself. It was a tough tackle, um, and I can, but I just I haven't seen that been called in the college game as a red card. So it's hard for players from game to game to know what's going to be a red card and what's not. So within the game itself, you know you can say that it's a red, you know, um, but I've been in three other games where that tackle has happened to us and it doesn't get called. So I think that's the tricky part for it within itself. You know, I can't argue that it's not a red. It was a tough tackle, but I think from game to game, that gets a little bit hard. I'd have to go watch the film on the, on the throwing goal um, to see it was just so chaotic in there that I'd have to go look in on the film and see. So that's what he has to say about the, 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 overtime goal as well um so let's be clear he he at the end of the day agrees with it being a red right but you know I can tell you exactly what he's saying there is the first game against Michigan Michigan State played this season Umar Fruk Osman ended up getting sent off yes but the first tackle he made that was a yellow card offense was a carbon copy of the tackle Michael Miller made both of them should have been straight red one was one wasn't, and that is, I think, his gripe. Um, if you're Michael Miller, you are a senior on this team, you are an extra time against Michigan, don't think you can make that tackle. I really don't. And I'm not sure what was going through his head when he did. Having said that, three of MSU's best chances all game came in the, the four minutes after that. So they had chances, and they simply just couldn't put him away. I, you know, Luca, your thoughts on the red card and those chances. Again, the red card, when I looked at it in real time, I said, the referee's going to walk over. Situationally, you're in overtime. It was a tough tackle. He had the studs up going into the player's shin. I said, I have a very, I have a, I have a bad feeling this is going to turn into a red and not a yellow. 
simply because of the situation. Again, I don't think Michael Miller had any ill intent in that tackle. No, 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 not at all. And it really devalues the game that Michael Miller had. Uh, Adam and I were talking about this the entire game. He was just so intense with what everything he was doing. He was dropping back, defending, creating. He really did everything. And at the end of the game, he played the second most minutes in this entire game. Uh, it was very unfair to him. Yeah, well, unfair is tough to say, yeah. but it was it was a, it, it was a tackle was, worthy of a red card. It yeah. was deserve it was deserving, but uh, you know it, it outshines his own performance. No, and like you were saying, it wasn't it wasn't too in the second half. You could kind of feel like either a lot of yellows were coming, or maybe a red would come. You saw Michael Miller every time he won the ball, kind of you know. Oh, <laughs> by the way, brother referee. Loved himself very much. Every time, I, I think. I think part of it was he had a um, a whistle in his hand that had a long whistle. I don't know, did you guys catch that? Every whistle was like five seconds long. So I thought he was being just dramatic. And every time his his stop the clock thing was about ten yeah. seconds long to get up there. Yeah, and, and he stop- loved stopping the clock on throw-ins and yeah, talking it- to people when they didn't need to be talked to. So I think that played into it as well. But <laughs> he yelled. <laughs> He yelled play on on advantage, but held it for like seven seconds. Yeah, and had a good word with Alex uh, Sternberg for a bit, for like a couple minutes. He was just talking to him in his face. No, he was very, I guess he was He was trying to keep control of a game that was becoming chippy, but he was borderline making himself the star of the show. Yeah, it was but a, you, yeah. interesting execution of it. And I think that's a problem in a Michigan, Michigan State game. Yeah, no, but it was going to be a red based on the tackle. Especially that late in the maybe in the first half you have a chance of getting away with it. In overtime, it just increases everything. Late in the game, you you give a yellow for that. Who knows how the game boils over from there? And then, but you said it going down to ten. They had two counters to put the game away because Michigan committed everyone forward going for the winner right after that, and just bad execution on the play. They never ended up getting a shot off of either of them, and it was just. You knew they had limited opportunities. You didn't think the game would end one-one. State it was they had to get one of those counters to fall, and they couldn't. Should they have? I think Were they f- good enough opportunities where you look back on those and you say, "We had the game in our hands and we gave it away." Is it is it that? I think yeah. the Salah one that ended with a Olu's cross going wide. I think yeah. Salah's initial touch and decision making could have been quicker and more forward. Yeah. I think that that one was the one that I felt like really should have built quicker. Ferry was tough because he was up there alone and anticipating yeah. runs forward. You could maybe just kick it into space and wait, but it's a tougher one than the first one. Yeah, exactly the same. You know, I think Michigan State shot themselves in the foot by not being more aggressive coming out of the sec- uh, coming out of the first half and really getting a goal to secure the lead. Because if you have a two 0 lead, you're a little bit more comfortable in conceding a goal if 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 you concede any. And that was the problem, I believe. It was just not being able to get that second goal and really push for that. Because I, I saw the push, but again, there was not really anything real. And you needed something real in there. I think, I think the game plan was solid. And they got, like, they had to play it safe for, like, the first 10 minutes. Because, you know, Michigan's coming out. I mean, also, Michigan should have equalized two minutes into the second half. It was... Yeah, that was a bad miss. It was the link-up play between... Sorry, it, was, it was Ibarra and... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, they, wonderful passage of play. Yeah, he, wonderful. He gets the meg on Sterenberg. Yep. He does the extra pass back to Ibarra. Tiki-taka. Just wide. And just wide. He's in the box. 
I, I could not believe my eyes when the, when the net did not glisten there and, and bulge. Yeah, no, the second they made the extra touch, I was, okay, I won one. Yep. And I was just, saw it roll into the trees, couldn't believe it, how close he was. Yes. But then from there, you know, Michigan State able to, they, they wrestled possession back. I think the and, formation changed changed a lot of what was going on with Michigan State. No, definitely. It was it was interesting because they went to, Damon said it was a 4-1, 4-1. I, saw, I thought it was a bit of a 4-5-1, same formation really. But it was int- it was weird putting Connor George and then Ferry alone, but it seemed to get everyone else more chances coming off the wing with the extra midfielder. And that's where, we, again, Michael Miller had the chances cutting in off the left, Vidal Kovac off the right. No real yeah. chances for the strikers to put the game away. Yeah. But ex- game plan-wise, it looked solid. Execution, almost perfect. They just needed to get almost. the shot off. It, you know, I think... If this game ends 1-0 the state, they don't give them an equalizer in the last 10 minutes. I think the narrative is we have to start talking about Nick Stone and Luke Morrell as an elite center back pairing and talking about that that that, that this defensive line, no matter who's back there, is very good. Um, and I want to bring up the way that other, we talked about this as we were walking out, that Michigan State has very rarely this season been beaten by someone not their, like not themselves. Very rarely has a team been superior superior on a goal, like on a goal sequence, right? Um, I didn't see it, but Lucas said the first goal against Rutgers, second goal against Rutgers was a defensive mistake. The goal they gave up at Michigan, defensive mistake. The goals against Ohio State, set piece, set piece. It was very sloppy. Against Indiana, a really unlucky deflection. So we won't, we won't put that down to bad defending. Um, but again... Indiana wasn't better by any means on that goal. And uh, a set piece late in the game that they just couldn't defend. Maryland was a defensive mistake and a penalty. They really shouldn't have been called. In this game today, a defensive mistake and a set piece. This defensive line has not been beaten by superior opponents. They've been beaten by themselves and either unluckiness or an inability to defend set pieces. Yeah, and especially either those set pieces where it just no one meets the initial ball, it bounces and it finds its way through, or one, two or three times we've seen a long ball, they lose the initial header, and again, this is a case for the the first game with Michigan and the Maryland opener, and it's, or it sucks the Maryland too because, second one, I mean. Because Luke Morrell and Nick Stone today take away, and I know it's big, but take away their mistakes, the big ones, Luke uh, uh, Nick Stone on the first goal, and Luke Morrell not heading the ball out on the second, they were very good today. Nick Stone, my take of him being the best player in the 7th team, took off on a, on a rocket ship today when he scored and he played so well. Take those away, and they're the best players on the park. No, And these are two center backs that are so comfortable with the ball, and then they secure things for Michigan State when they're playing. They're being able to be trusted with the ball, being able to include it in that play that pushes just players forward and really gives the spirit to move this team to a, a better attacking position. So, so I'll pose this question to you, Adam. How do you get rid of those mistakes? You can be good for 88 minutes, but if you're bad for two of them, you lose. And that's been the case. I mean, it just, it's tough because you don't want the answer to be, like, keep more numbers back because then that's where you see them sitting deep, allowing yep. pressure, and the goals just happen. I think it might just be growing pains. It's what, Nick Stone's second year as a player and first with more, as a partnership with Morel. Mm-hmm. So you just kind of... You really have to endure them and let them grow through it yeah. and just hope for... And you'll have them both next yeah, year. Yeah, eliminate, eliminate the mistakes as, as they go down the road. 
Yeah, I think with experience, anything gets better. Yeah, and I don't think you want to, again, there's only two games left this season. I don't think you want to do like a temporary adjustment and then come back to this next season and no. maybe deal with the growing pains. Yeah, so, exactly. So then what's the what's the goal for the rest of the season? Last two games. What do you want to see from You want to see two wins? You want to see experimentation? You want to see good performance? What do you want to see? You want to see two wins. It's. Yeah. I mean, we labeled Wisconsin's... You know, Bad. The most favorable. <laughs> I was gonna you put can, it. You can I was, say it. I was gonna put it nicer. Wisconsin's a very winnable game, one you should win. And Ohio State, you you want to get revenge on what was your worst like yeah. single performance of the season on yeah. how you looked, not how the other team played. Yeah, exactly. Get yourself, redeem yourself against Ohio State because sincerely, that was the worst performance of the season in my opinion. I thought their play against Ohio State in that first game was sloppy. No real connection between any departments of that team. And now in the last two games, you have a chance to redeem yourself out of these really tough and, you know, and disturbing losses. Um, okay, so that's the Michigan game. Before that, last Friday was the Maryland game. Um, we won't delve on it too long because it was simply not a good performance. 2-1, um, but that was because Gianni Flaherty scored a, a screamer in the last minute of the game to make the scoreline look a bit nicer. 2-1 two, two a bit flattering. Let's be honest, at the end of the day, the performance... But but still, uh, a questionable PK was what changed the game a bit. Michigan State never really looked like scoring in that first half. Obviously, Mutatu was out for this game, too. They never really looked like scoring in the first half. Never really looked like scoring in the second half. But still, the PK that was never in 100 years a PK gets called. They go down 1-0, and we've seen this team and how they play when they're down 1-0. So, uh, second one is a defensive mistake. They get screwed over. It seems like we, we keep going back to these things. Over and over again, Adam. Yeah, and with Connor George out in that game too, it was just we didn't yeah, see them. Yeah, that was double whammy. Yeah, we didn't see them really get much going forward. Ferry looked bright. Mercer struggled in Mutatu and Connor George's plays. Again, good. Really, just the two highlights of the game were seeing. It was good for Ferry to get the goal. One, he was the only forward. Well, very good goal too. Very out of the, good. Goal. Out of their deserved main... deserved more than uh, being a garbage time goal. Yeah, no. Cutting back. It looked like the play had died down, cut back onto his right. Great mm-hmm. curler into the corner. It was good for him to get the goal. Obviously, hope he can. He didn't, didn't build on it with another one today, but get more throughout the season. And I guess shout out friend of the pod, Brendan Hartlove. Great, mm-hmm. great call. Great call. calling game. <laughs> Very enjoyable game, but. Uh, as a no, on not the, a very enjoyable game. A very enjoyable no. listen. I mean, it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. a very enjoyable watch. But no, they never looked like they were going to win that game. As soon as they went down one nil, it seemed you know it was going to be the same old, and it ended up being that with the second goal going in as preventable as it was. Exactly, I thought Maryland uh, knew how to play the better football. They were passing around the back very comfortably, midfield very comfortable. Again, for me, it seemed like Maryland was just in the in the terms of football and tactically, they were superior. But again, Michigan State had their chances, you know, and they redeemed they redeemed what they had left with that late goal from Johnny Ferry. Um, so I want to pose a question, and we've seen both ends of this spectrum. Against Maryland, they looked horrible going forward without Fry Mutatu. Today, they looked just as good, if not better, than they usually do with him in the side. So, question I'll ask is, can they be better without Mutatu? Out of the, like, can they be better with him out of the lineup than they can with him 
in the lineup consistently and is relying on him hurting them at all. Yeah, because you saw in that game against Maryland, they were trying to find that player who checks in the ball, is sometimes hanging out wide, and that's Farai Mutatu in all the other games he's played. And they didn't have that. It was hard. Johnny Ferry kind of had to mold into that role, which is a different role for him. And again, Mutatu has played in this team for a very long time now, and he understand and the players understand the way he plays. So of course, when you get a blow like an injury and a blow like him to not be able to play, it's very difficult to adjust. I thought they adjusted very well this time around. But but the trade off of relying on him is relying on him when he's in. So do yeah. you, do you still think relying on him is hurting him? I, again, you know this, this is I mean Mutatu's also not a guy that's banging in ten goals a season either. You know, I don't know how much you can rely on him other than just chances being created instead of just chances being put in as well. I mean, it's hard to say you're over-reliant on... It's hard to take relying on, like, one of your better players to be a knock on the team because in the end of the day, you'd rather see that than misusing them and giving, like, a great player a smaller role than they can take and just under-using them. So I think... Lose, uh, the Ferry and George combo can work in in his place. Mm-hmm. It's, they are very similar players, so it's not the ideal duo instead of like having Mutato in for one of them. I think it was just having two two starting forwards out against Maryland that really killed any type of attacking play in this game. In that game, I mean. Um, George and Mutato were both out against Maryland. George is back today. Are we are we looking in the wrong spot, do you think, maybe? Maybe it's not Mutato that they were missing. Maybe it was Connor George. You know, he didn't necessarily do a whole bunch today. Is, but is there more there that we're not seeing with Connor George? Um, is he more important than maybe we're giving him credit for? He's important. I don't know if I'd say more important than Mutatu. Because I just think style of play, like, we all kind of agree on the fact. Ferry and George are very similar. Yeah. So I think having – and no one's like Mutatu on the team. So I think the unique style of play is why I would lean towards Mutatu being like almost a more, like he was being a bigger loss. And I mean, have we seen Mutatu play without George recently? I don't. Not don't, not that often. Yeah. Not. So okay. So if if I'm I'm and I'm playing devil devil's advocate here, right? Like mm-hmm. these are not necessarily my thoughts. Um, if Mutatu is is so unique and they have to play with him a certain way in the team and play with him a certain way out of the team, would they not be better suited playing with him a certain way no matter whether he's in the team or not and not catering to maybe his skill set? So you're saying just having, that one, makes sense? having one style of play regardless having of who's Having one style of play and playing, playing that style no matter who's in the team. Ideally, yes, but at the same time when you have a player who can impact the game as much as him in difficult situations... Like we saw in the game against Northwestern. Northwestern, da- Damon said said it perfectly. Uh, Northwestern did not have an answer for him. So on, on his day, he's very good. On his day, he's very good, and he brings he he brings that uniqueness to him. And it's hard to say to play the same way without with or without him, just because of that unique way he plays and the but, unique role he offers. But you also said he's not a guy that's banging in ten goals a season. He's not, but he but this team also starts rolling in more goals when, that's he, what, when he's there. That's why I do think. The four, as good as the four or five one looked at times today, I don't think the solution going forward is only playing one of the three on their own. And back on Farai, I don't, 
I don't think we see any of the other forwards really dropping back into the midfield the way he does or picking the ball up deep to turn and drive. Yeah. So I definitely think yeah. it's crucial to have him in there and yeah, giving him someone else to play on. But I think without him, you do you do have to adapt. Yeah, and I think that midfield three, like you were talking about today, it's Michigan was necessary just because of how Michigan was picking them apart in the midfield. With they were so congested, and then once you got once you got another player like Jacob Cromer sitting in the midfield, you eliminate those passes between the that like number ten role and um, I believe it was the player number six on Michigan who defensively worked really well and moved up the field as well. All right, so I'll. I'm just gonna come after the whole um, junior class right now. Actually, um, two two guys that have looked very good this season are Jack Zuge and Jacob Cromer, and you could probably even put um, Louis Sala in there as well. Um, at times today, I feel as though Michigan State looked better with Jack back off the pitch, and not to say he's been bad at all this season, but he scored against Penn State to win it, um, but. Is Mich- could Michigan State and is Michigan State better off trying to go with some of these new guys and maybe start straying away from Jack back 90 minutes? I think he's had the hardest time adapting to the new format. Not necessarily adapting, but just like being his best in the new formation. I think he was, because we're off like a year and a half of it, him being in the middle of 4-3-3 with Michael Miller next to him. Next thing you know, Michael Miller's playing on the wing, and he's in a midfield two with Zugai now. I don't... And then... It's it's dependent on what the future of the formation is. I think one thing I would like to see, and I know this isn't exactly what you asked, I think Salah's a lot better suited to play in the midfield yep. than to be a touchline yeah, winger. And yeah. we saw that today. And yeah, we saw he, his best half of this since the new formation came when they went to three, four, when they went to three midfielders and got him off the wing. So yeah. and who knows? There are a lot of factors that play into Jack Beck. You know, he could be tired. You know, it, it, he could be beaten. There are a lot of factors as today why he didn't perform at his best. And and, and oh, I'm sorry, Jacob Cromer moved into that position and and played an outstanding role. Another question about Jack Beck: Is he playing in the right position? That that deep lying center midfielder sort of role. Is that where he's best suited? I. Who was the third midfielder last season with him? Pimlot. Pimlot. He was the deepest one, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay, I was thinking because I don't remember him playing that deep. And no. then. Nice. No, yeah, no, he's. He's not. I don't think so. And then with the midfield, too, which is you need both people to be so able to go back and forwards. And I think he's better suited for one of those two tasks. I don't think the 4 4 2 gets the best out of him, no. Yeah, because he does. I think he does work a lot better when he's more a little more central, where his running radius isn't as big. Yep. And and he's able to because when he's running way too much, he takes a lot of time to touch the ball and then drift it back. But when he's in that single position, like little radius square at the Sergio Busquets role, he gets that time, gets that touch, and is off quick. All right. Any last thoughts on the men's team? Any other juniors we should go after? <laughs> Some tough questions you're asking. Yeah, yeah me, uh, gotta ask them, right? Thinking deep. You're welcome. <laughs> All right, um, men's, they don't play for another week, so we'll probably have another episode before they play again. Next Wednesday at home against Wisconsin. Must-win game. Not that there aren't many must-win games when you're 2-6, and six, but must-win game. It'd be nice. Yeah. yeah. Uh, MSU women, not faring too much better than the men right now. 
Uh, a 1-0 loss to Purdue earlier this week. 1-0, like uh, the men's 2-1 loss to Maryland, is a flattering scoreline, say the least. Got outshot. Um, you know, it seems, it's odd, too. It seems like they're running through like a lot of people, too. They're playing tons and tons. Do, do you think, Luca, do you think Tom Saxon knows his best team yet? I'm not is sure. that okay or not okay? I think it's okay because he again he does have a young team, so he has to exp- his job is to experiment with what is working best and what can suit the roles to the bigger players like Gia Wahlberg. And again, he's tried a lot of things. He and it's not necessarily working. I think defensively more than offensively, there's been issues with this team. Again, conceding 18 shots in the game, with six of them were more on target, as it seems in the in the statistics. It's difficult to say as to what went wrong, and again, they they had uh, the Spartans had six shots on target, no six shots and three on target. Which who knows what was going on in those shots? Was it a good was it a good save? Was it just unlucky defend? Was it lucky defending? I don't know. Um, we're you know it's crazy. We're what seven out of eleven games into that season, and eight out of ten into the men's. So there's not much time left. Four games left. Um, they play Northwestern on Thursday. They've got another game coming up, I believe, on Wednesday against Indiana, one that was rescheduled. But they're finally going to be back home at the Martin. Do you think that'll give them an extra boost? It should, you know, because being on the road obviously takes a tough toll mentally and physically. So being back at the Martin, we saw the first game at the Martin with the men. It sparked something in them. Yep. The question is, can it spark something for for the women's to to get something out of their season that they can be proud of and move on? They were at the men's game today, all of them there, we I did. think. Looked like after practice, a lot of red faces walking in. Yeah, yeah, looked all in uniform. Good to see them supporting each other. All right, well, Champions League draw. We got it. The quarterfinals coming up. Bayern plays PSG. City plays Dortmund. Liverpool plays Real Madrid. Chelsea plays Porto. I mean, Adam, I'll start with you. How are you feeling? Well, I hate it for obvious reasons. <laughs> <laughs> Look. I'm nervous. City's a tough draw. Dortmund's injured. And then as soon as I get some type of faith, I don't know if Sancho and Guerrero are going to be healthy for the game or not. If they're out going to Etihad, that's devastating. Like I don't know what the tactic's going to be there. Play for a nil-nil, which Dortmund's not capable of doing or what. It's just Royce, or Holland, Royce and Holland up top unless someone else yeah. can help step up. They did make it through the second leg against Sevilla without them. But, I mean, I'd, obviously, I really hope they're back. It's still unknown. And then the mighty reward of beating City is we're on the same side of the bracket as Bayern and PSG. <laughs> so if we're going to, if, if Dortmund's going to win a Champions League, they have to beat two of the yeah. three betting, uh, two of the top three betting favorites. So, I mean, that's annoying. I, look, I love the idea of Bayern and PSG playing before the final, giving them two legs instead of one to do it. And same goes for whoever plays whoever plays City in the semifinal most likely. You're kidding. It gives uh Don't give up on your team no, already. Not, uh, not, not giving yet, up hope, but like just the idea of seeing okay, suppose it's Bayern and City in the semifinal. You're seeing the two best teams in Europe off a of form over two legs instead of just a you know, a final where I think last year you could see it kinda messes with the game sometimes. Yeah, like PSG, PSG just Bayern, didn't play great. PSG Bayern could have I think it'll prove to be a much better series than it was a, a one off game. Yeah. I don't like how the Three of the best four teams are on one side of the bracket, though. And I think it really opens up... I mean, it opens up the door for anyone on the, uh, the other side. I don't yep. I don't think Porto's beating Chelsea. Speaking, how do you feel about Liverpool? 
you know, it's... I think giving them another two weeks, they'll be ready for Madrid. They'll, and they're different in the Champions League. And they're different. They're different in the Champions League. Fabinho and Thiago are playing midfield together again. I think it'll stay that way unless they adapt heavy to factor in for Benzema. But I think, I mean, if there's a team that a broken defense can handle, it's a team with a broken offense. Madrid has Benz and Hazard's still not going to be healthy for it. Vinny can't score. Rodrigo's still making his way back to full fitness. Yeah. And Asensio only scores off the bench. Yeah, but Madrid has a very tough schedule coming up. They have four games in 11 days. Yeah, and Barca between the two games. Barcelona between the two legs. And I don't know what's the bigger game for them. Because they're still in reach of La Liga. And that, yep. that could be the dagger yeah, if they La, lose La Liga's it. a tough race. That's a, that's a rough run of that's games. That's a rough run of games. I think... I mean, if I mean I, at least you have to play Liverpool at Anfield because yeah. you know that they're not going to lose that. If Madrid's not going to lose that. Yeah. Playing Liverpool at Anfield right now. Is it officially in Anfield? I believe, but I'm not, not positive. Budapest. Uh, yeah, if no, they I play mean, in Budapest, they're screwed. <laughs> Liverpool's will, new home. Liverpool will win yeah. both yeah. games 2-0. Look, I think... I trust Liverpool to... I, I don't think those games are going to be entertaining whatsoever. But I trust Liverpool to be able to outgrind Madrid in a... Gonna again, a, what's going to be a like, might be a nasty yeah, two legs. A, Porto's not going to get through again, will they? Nah, no way. No, and the way Tuchel has. Wow, you guys up. suck. That was that was. I you know I had you know I no, had faith. That, that was Chelsea such was a definitive it. no. They beat Juventus. <laughs> the second, Chelsea oh, but yeah. on paper not as the, good as Juventus. I realize they haven't lost since Tuchel came, but they're not as good as Juventus on paper. No, but you but Juventus got a lot of things wrong against Porto that were just more than just playing. Uh, you know, Bentaker's it's not like Bentaker yeah, gave away the game in the first one, and then the second the second game was just a ridiculous decision making by Andrea Pirlo in many aspects of that of that game. You know, to put uh, Demiral to start that game against Porto, Demiral has given away a penalty in almost every game he's played. It seems so. You're not even giving Porto a chance. I mean, I've. The second Tuchel got the job, I said Chelsea was beating Atletico, and that was when Chelsea was in garbage yeah. form, and we didn't know and, what and I ha- and I had they were Atletico going. I had Atletico upsetting, honestly. If I had that much faith in them, then I'm not. Uh, I'm not straying away for Porto. If they played that those two legs a hundred times, how many times does Porto go through? You know, Porto ha- Porto plays with intensity, so I'm sure if they get a lucky day, if they catch Chelsea also on an off day where things aren't just working for Thomas Tuchel in the back. Then, then, then Porto can seriously have a real chance, given that they they are scoring. But they're Porto's also not great, in, and they got to do it in the twice. Portuguese league. Things are always working for Thomas Tuchel in the back, though. They gave up two yeah, goals and, in twelve And uh, Timo Werner is starting to pick up form. Kai Havertz is also starting to look like he's actually doing something. So, so does, does Chelsea are, have a legitimate shot to get to the final? Then yeah, definitely. No, I mean, yeah, especially with this side of the bracket. But they again, they don't they don't concede and the forwards are coming along. So I just yeah. think it'll keep getting better and better. I don't know what the final lineup is going to be because I think Havertz is going to seal the nine. And I don't know. I don't think they want to bench Werner. And then it's just between Ziyech, Werner, yeah. or Ziyech Mount, and Pulisic for the right wing spot. Not that Ziyech has actually looked pretty decent too. Yeah, he had a very rough like month until he scored him back to – or. Scored in what two of three games? The Atletico yeah. game and the Sheffield one. Yeah, and Chelsea's schedule too. They're not going to stress about it with too much. They have West Brom and Crystal Palace coming up next, and, and one of them in between the Porto Chelsea game. No, I I think they're heavy favorites here. And then I mean, depends who wins that game, but at worst, what they're it's a, the semifinal is going to be a toss up unless Porto yeah. makes it, and then you always assume but, they'll. And, be the and they're still in the <laughs> FA Cup semifinal. Uh, Bayern PSG. What happens there? 
that's going to be the tough for me. That's the toughest one to choose out of all of them, uh, because of PSG's form, and and again, Bayern is a really good team. They play really well. But if Paris can get, if Paris can actually get momentum going, get Mbappe, can name will Neymar return is the real question, that I think will make the difference. I mean, again, this is a very, this is a tough pick. Look, Lewandowski didn't score in last year's final. I think he's gonna make make up for it this series. And whatever, because I've I've been critical of Byron Heavy, obviously, because of how they've struggled to replace Thiago. But now that the front line, now that it's consistently Sané and Gnabry either side of him, that offense is really starting to take off. We saw, I mean, on the weekend they got a red card and Lewandowski finished the first half with a hat trick. Jesus. So it's hard to. I mean, I've obviously root a bet against them in the league, but it's hard to pick them to lose in over two legs. I think I'm still gonna pick them. But it's, it's also critical for PSG to win their games in Ligue 1, too, because they are tied yep. in points with Lille. It's true. It's a very good point. They can't simply focus on champions. Yeah, right they, they have to be caught. Mauricio Pochettino is going to have to be very cautious with his lineup. It's tough to kind of... Because if you rank the players in this series, I think PSG has three of the top four, and then Bayern have the rest of the top five. <laughs> so I, I don't know what's, like, what's better. Who are your three? Mbappe, Neymar. Di Maria. I'm big on that guy. Ooh. Di Di Maria is a class player. Di Maria on his day. Would you say Lua is the best player on Bayern? Yeah, Yeah. for sure. So you wouldn't put Neuer ahead of Di Maria. I mean, that's a that's Kimmich. That's a tough one to do. Just goalie to. I'll give Di Maria the edge over Kimmich. I mean, yeah. I mean, I'll take Kimmich. And and does Nico Sula still play on that right back if he's gonna have to defend Mbappe? Babies. (laughs) No, if (laughs) no, I mean, I going. I've been like big on Di Maria since his Madrid days, especially that last season and how it I ended in the final. In the second leg against Barca. No, because he was injured for the first and had just came okay, back. Okay, okay. He subbed in and he, I mean, didn't have too crazy of a role. That's when the game was kind of beyond. It was okay. This is going to end one-one. I mean, I'll give it to him. Who knows if? And I think he should start. I don't think Patch will bench him. Who fully you, healthy. So, who are your four teams going through then? Four teams going through. <sighs> Okay. I'm sorry. Chelsea, Liverpool, Bayern, and then this is why I hesitated. I'll take Dortmund. I don't think I don't like. There's not a lot of conviction without the health, but I'll. I'll I can't pick City on the podcast. It's just wrong. Correct. That is wrong. Good pick. I'm gonna go with Bayern, City, Real Madrid, and Chelsea. Mm. Real Madrid. That's interesting. I'm going PSG, Dortmund, little Holland Mbappe. I want that rematch. rematch. Heavy. Yeah. Liverpool, Chelsea, and but I I would not be surprised if Porto goes through. Let it be said, Porto might go through. I don't think so. I'm saying this simply so if they do, I can yeah, re rack and play this again. When I think Benzema produces the pot after they go through. Hey, you said so Benzema. I need produce- you guys is uh, got a question for you guys. So I think we can all agree Lewandowski is the best striker in the world. No no questions. Based on form, yes. No, not based on based on talent, form, everything, stats. <laughs> out and out striker, yeah. Mm. You know, as it, like if I had, you know, if I had to coach the team and tell me whichever striker I want, yes, I want Lewandowski at the age no, he's at right now. That's not the question. That's not the question. It's best striker in the world. Best striker in the world. I think so. Okay. Harry Kane's a very it's, close second. Okay. It is a very close second, but I. But, okay, so that started but, to okay because I didn't assume any type of disagreement right there. My question was going to be rank <laughs> rank two through four for me. Two through four. And I'm well. The natural names are K- 
Kane, Benzenhala. Not in that order, but like those three, I'm guessing. Unless not counting Ronaldo and Mbappe, those type of players or right. strikers. They're wingers. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah I, I think Kane's your two, no matter what, yeah, for me. Kane goes number two. I say Haaland goes number three. And right then, now, I'd say Haaland three as well. And and Ben, I'd say Ben's. I don't even know if it's Ben's. Ben's you guys are, know Ben's this. Are, I'm not big on Ben's. Ben's or Suarez. Oh, man, get Suarez out of the top five. Come on, now. Suarez, Suarez, Suarez he's dominated in every league he's been. I'd put Suarez ahead of Benz. Really? Yeah. Still. I just don't like Suarez. Benzema. I'd, I, he's good. I love Benzema. There's nothing not, wrong with him. I, I also hate that he hates Giroud. Like, that's messed up, bro. <laughs> Kicked out of the French national What did he call him? Call uh, himself a Ferrari. Go-kart? The Fiat, he called him a Fiat, I think. No, that yeah, was Ebro. Fiat. That was Ebro. Ebro, Ebro okay. No, I think he called him a go-kart. Go-kart. I want to say him. And I'll give Who's got more goals for France? Giroud is like the second top goal scorer for France. <laughs> Not Benzema. Okay. Um, Prem talk. I think this is where I like step out of the room and go cry. I, I'm legit when I say this. If you guys say the words and you know the words, if you don't know the words, get on the dock because they're on the dock. Spurs are playing. If you say the words, I'm leaving. Spurs are playing your team next. Okay, if there's down. any more mention of my team, I'm leaving. His team is the team that Adam, was blue in Scotland. Adam. I, you're what, right for that. Who are they called again? Kilmarnock. Kilmarnock. Okay, come on. That's uh, Kilmarnock, massive <laughs> result the weekend, by the way. We were rock bottom by one point, beat beat Motherwell. Massive three points. I knew it was big because I so rarely see Ian tweet about that yeah, team. About well, the they, they, they so rarely win. Oh, yeah, no, I'm not calling you a fake fan or anything. I was like, this this has to be uh, monumental or rare. No, big. It was massive. But did you ask a question at the end of that, or did we just go on no, a side No, just prem chat. Okay. Well, I guess... You know, we were accused of being big six bias last week. Avid listener Sam Britton. So, let's have some Lester talk. <laughs> Lester, how do we He's see? not even on the Facebook Live. He has an exam. Yeah, he t- but he oh. said he would re-listen and comment as if he was watching <sighs> oh, it live. No. Uh, okay, obvious question. One, I mean, not that it really matters if they... Well, are what? they going to crumble again this year? Or are they going to finish well, top what, four? All right, what about what that? De- yeah. Define crumble. Miss out on top four. Are they going <laughs> to... Like what they did last year. Well, here's the thing is... is Missing out on top four wouldn't necessarily be crumbling this year because because there's so many teams up there. Yeah, worse that happens, they get a Europa League spot. Things I think it's crumbling because of the cumulative effect of not making it last year. And because they they're starting above. Well, here's the thing: they have, is, they have the second most wins in this league. West Ham is when West Ham's fifth, and there's there's seven points clear of West Ham. Would it be crumbling at this point? Seven points in nine games to lose the seven points. Yes, that's probably that's, that's seven and bad. nine. Seven and nine. When like, if it was West Ham up there, it's coming back to reality. If it's Leicester right. up there, it's okay. You guys. Right. Leicester has City next. West Ham and then Southampton in the in the semi in the FA Cup semi final. Yeah, it's a rough run. Right, that, so, that is that is that is a tough schedule. Okay, so they can't lose. Like, I'm not saying like they won't. I'm saying like, season expectations. They can't lose a semi final to Southampton. And also, did Man United gift them that FA Cup semi? Yes. <laughs> did, oh, they see all his team that he put out. Fred Fred gifted them. That's so bad. He's so bad. It's hilarious. No, he sold. But okay, they should beat Southampton. Do they have a shot in the final against either Chelsea or City? Also, wild that Southampton was top of the table in what September. Now they have 33 points from 29 games. Uh, I don't even know what... And if they did not start so well, they would legitimately be in the relegation conversation. And they got another 9-0 on their resume this season. Mm -hmm. Tough. Sorry, I I interjected on your question. Oh, no, yeah, just Leicester. Do they have a shot at the FA Cup? 
I think they can if they just solely focus on the FA Cup. I mean, you have to focus on securing a top four spot if that's what Brendan Rodgers wants, you know, and it's going to be tough to, for, him, for him to balance both. I mean, it's really just a game against Southampton you'll expect to win nine times out of ten and then one final to prepare for. They're but but of, if Southampton's going to want to prove something out Did Southampton not win the second game when they when yeah. they lost? Yeah, yeah. They went, they went yes. to King Power and won. <laughs> Is King Power, am I tripping? Or is that this? Yeah, you know, you're right. You're yeah, right. Okay. KP. No, and KP. then uh, that's that's crazy because right after Leicester, Southampton, Southampton play again against Leicester. But that in wasn't that league. spell where Leicester had like three wins in three months on their way to crumbling out of top four. I I don't think they do that again. There's no way, right? Yeah. Like, there's no way. No, I think they're way. They're, I think they're playing way too well to be able to do that. And again, Europa League's already out of the worry. As unfortunate as that, not that they would have wanted that, but without that, right now it's a race for that fourth place. It's just the last three games they have in the league that are tough: United, Chelsea, Tottenham. Yeah, God. Yeah, they get a they get a freebie the game before it. Yeah, for them. And a sec and a second game against Southampton in three. And these are all teams that are trying to push to the top of the table. Yes. Okay. So, I th- I th- I think they'll make top th- four. They make it, Luca. Yeah, they, I think they Honestly, do. they could be I, top I think, three. I think they do. Chelsea's not losing right now, so they could jump them, but... And you don't have to think, like, crazy hard about this one. Could finish second, yeah. really. But yeah. Brendan Rodgers, where does he rank in Premier League managers? I have to go through and look at him now. Over this season, or...? Who would you want? Because if you take in career, it, it changes everything with, like, where Jose is in your rankings. But, like, if you want to... Barcelona has an opening. They need a prem manager. Or... So there's Klopp and Pep, I think are the top two, and then it's when you become like, how do you feel? Oh, what actually? I put him around eighth. Eighth? Yes. I did not expect that. Here's here's the managers I would take before him. All right. Pep. Tuchel. Tuchel. Mm-hmm. Jose. This is not the order. This is just the order the teams are in the prem. Oh, okay. I'd okay. take Jose. Jose. Klopp. Ancelotti. Arteta. Arteta, really? Maybe Bielsa. So maybe ninth even. What about Nuno Santos? No. No. Overrated. Yeah, I think he is too. Tough for him losing both his forwards. I would I would also yeah. take Chris Wilder or Sean Dyche just for the banter. Chris Wilder's not even a manager anymore. Sean Dyche is, he? is a grinder. Yeah. Uh he's not. You I, disagree there, Adam. You you sound like me, you had him top three. I wasn't no no no. Clop Pep Tuchel. I forgot about Tuchel when I I, I was still including Lampard when I list Brendan ah. Rogers in my head. So those three and then I think, for me, it becomes, Ancelotti has won Champions yeah, League titles. I also yeah. forgot about Ancelotti, Got so I know I'd, I'd bump him in. I agree with you on that career, one. Has a spectacular I don't think, resume. I haven't gone down the table like that, so that is four. And then it's how you feel about 2021, Jose, because I don't think I'm taking Arteta over him. Yeah, I mean Arteta. Over Brendan I mean, Rogers, he, I mean. he needed to win that game against West Ham mm. at the weekend. I'd probably take Brendan over Arteta. Yeah. I, would, I would probably too. at the end of the day, based on experience. And then who's West Ham's manager? David Moyes. Moyes. They, oh, David. Thus, <laughs> why do uh, Sir Alex Ferguson's child? How they're up there is wild to me. With Jesse Lingard, the revival Jay of Jesse Lings. Lingard. I don't know why I thought they just had like another version of Dean Smith over at West Ham. Kind of is. It, it <laughs> would <laughs> kind of is, but like a lower name. Well, I mean, Moyes is the only big name because he had a United job. No, that's well, his, 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 his Everton Big career. Yeah. Big, his whoa, Everton whoa. career gave him a cr- actual career. He consistently career. finished top seven with Everton. No, okay. consistently that was a, every single year. That was a year. far way for me to put it. He's for, a, for, he's a, a for the longest name. time, it was United, Chelsea, Arsenal, Liverpool, Aston Villa, Everton, and that was the top six. 
Yeah. Those are the days. Gabby Egbon Lahore, Richard Richard Dunn, Brad Friedel. Brad Friedel. At Aston Villa. Good days. Shout out. Rip Aston Villa. Oh, useless without Grealish. Yeah, that's yeah, true. And also, they, they proved that against Tottenham. And Aston Villa, the kings of, oh, yeah, you know, day-to-day injury. We'll see how it feels two months later. The guy still isn't back. It happened to Ross Barkley first half of the season. Mm. And Grealish now, there's no signs of when he's coming back. Yeah. But. No, and that was to, a very scrappy loss against Tottenham, too. To the original question, I think I'd put him around. Well, yeah, after Klopp, Pep, Tuchel, Take Carlo. him over Bielsa. Man, Bielsa's just tough. I wouldn't like, take him over Bielsa. There's the inevitable burnout with that, his that's teams. A, that's a like um, preference thing, too. It is a preference. And it yeah. just, it's weird because we haven't seen Bielsa. Like, a, I mean, he's been at Leeds the last few seasons. And before that, it's we haven't seen him in a team contending for, like, you know, for a title. For a serious title. Or even, like, European finishes. Or cup. Or cups. Like, again, Leeds are in 11th. They're not going to get relegated. They're not pushing for Europe. Yep. They'd play every game they wide open, purgatory. win 3-0, lose 5-1. They'll finish with 50-55 points yeah. in 9th or 10th. It depends if Patrick Bamford is on his day. Good good player. My, yeah, yeah, I, good player. A, I, I was actually believer. surprised he was omitted from the England squad. I thought he was going. thought he was in. Yeah, Ollie Watkins got the spot. Jesus. I wonder if those were competing with each other. Yeah, the, the, that England team was really good. They put Jesse Lingard back in. No Trent Alexander-Arnold, which I think is reasonable. Recently, yes. That's yes. not going to be the long term, but no. he'll be back in the tournament no. picture. And just they, sucks that they have like five of the best six right backs in the world. <laughs> that's where the, that's where they hoarded all their talent into. Because mm-hmm. there's going to be, what one great right back not even making the tournament, one that's never going to see the field from the bench. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I want to let you guys do this because I think we should talk about it. I just can't do it. Um, is relegation battle and. If Fulham, from an outside perspective, looks like they're staying up to you, and if said team may be going down. Ian, so, said, that said team is going to go down, unfortunately, because they are the only team that has not won in their last five games. Two wins in 20. Fulham versus that team to end the season. I feel like that might be one of the craziest games ever. That might be a crazy two, relegation. Two, a relegation six. I mean, that's not even a six-pointer. Can it's we be totally games. honest? It could be over by then. It could be. It probably will be if things if things don't move start moving in, in, the, in the in that executive office. Because you always want to look at it and say, "Oh, well, they have a game in hand," but it's you know, are they going to win that game in hand? It's it's not like it's a title picture game in hand. No. It's especially when it comes against Spurs and they have Villa. Oh. Fulham at Villa next. Here here's the run in by the way: Spurs, Burnley, West Ham, Liverpool, Arsenal, Leicester, City. And things aren't changing, so I don't know what they expect. Yeah, no, you guys are. And then Sheffield United. Who are going to be down, no manager. What do you think is going to happen in that game? That would be their only win of the last 10. No, that's that's not what I'm thinking. No, no, yeah, I'm, I'm saying like I'm saying that would be Sheffield's only oh, win of the yes. of, of the oh, 10. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, then, I ju- and I just read they also, they've also been canceling training. So if they're, then, not, if they're not training, what are they doing? And then you finish with Fulham. To be fair, Fulham do. Oh, man, Fulham have a Grealish list. Actually, Grealish might be back. For the Villa game. Fulham oh, but actually don't play bad football. They have two weeks. Yeah. Scott Parker, good manager. Yeah. Uh, Grealish will probably be back. So that's a tough game. Wolves, you don't know what you're going to get. Arsenal away. Chelsea away. Burnley, both of you guys have that. Southampton away. United away. And then the final game of the season. I think you lean towards Fulham just because. Yeah. 
I mean, I'm seeing... And Fulham is very capable of pulling an upset in any of those games. Earlier today, I just went on YouTube for a sec, saw the kickoff. Is that manager? It was. Just, I don't. I didn't watch the video yet. Conspiracy. Is he playing to go down or whatever? Can that guy really keep a team up at this point in the season? I'll take Scott Parker over him. I would too. I think you're insane well, if you think that. No, no. Scott Parker is obviously the better manager. But like I'll also just I'll back him to end the season on a high. I mean, I, I just I just never seen a manager who just just completely just doesn't care about his job at this point. So selects very interesting lineups and yet somehow keeps his job. You know, you know. At this point, if you, if you're in a relegation battle and your manager is fighting to actually try to rescue the team, then you then you keep him the job, avoid the sack. But if he is just a, a complete embarrassment, then why do you keep him? Could be something to do with the four million dollar payout that they have to pay him. This is a maybe it's a stupid question. Would you rather be relegated by the time that final comes down or go through that and <laughs> that emotional experience? And then, yeah, I mean, I guess you technically, I mean, obviously you take the chance of doing it, but what would oh, yeah. be a worse way to go down? Last day. Last day? Yep. If it's going to be over, I'd rather it be over before that. Mm-hmm. And I don't even have to watch them that day. You know, what, you know what would happen is if they are down by that time, they'd win that game 6 0. <laughs> Like, I'm not even kidding. You know, the last time we went down, we went down, we beat Spurs five one in the last day. I was gonna, I was gonna bring up that season. I don't know, you guys got relegated. That was the season yeah. you got relegated. Yep. Yeah, that's a hell of a last game in the Premier League for a yeah. year. Yeah. Gene, that was when Genie was on the team still. Genie when you held him, what a man. When Spurs finished third in a two horse race. <laughs> Unlucky. <laughs> oh my god. All right, gents. Final thoughts. Uh, um. I mean, we going to international football. What do we think? I think it shouldn't be happening. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. Frankly, and I'm annoyed because I'm, I'm always waiting for Royce to come back to Germany. It just because earlier in the season he had to get his fitness back up. So it's and, and it seemed like Lowe really likes him. So he'll he will come back eventually. And then a week before international break, someone steps on his Achilles and he gets injured. And he's again not going to Germany. So I need that to change eventually. I love the Germany away kits though. I've oh, been yeah, waiting like a year. Clean. They haven't. You know who's a really clean is Sweden's. Sweden. The pinstripes. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Love them. And Slatan is back on the Sweden's national team. All black though. The all black German kits. Also, very nice. They're sick. I like the Mexico black. And I pink. do. I did. I, I hate saw it. that. I, a little I weird it. for a home. I hate it. Yeah, I, I, I if like anything, it, yes. it should have been away. I don't know who allowed that to happen. To home because your home I, kit it, is it, traditional and not out there. Yeah, I mean Mexico have done a brilliant job at keeping their their uh, home kits, you know, classy, is, but keeping that same theme. It's the Mexico special to Where'd pink world, come from? World World Cup yeah. years, green is home. Cope or and I don't know if this is like fact or just observation. Cup years, it's always been black. I I their black jerseys. You go are back very, to the very nice. Remember the Giotis, the Giotis Santos black in the black jersey, those are great. Oh, memories. back in 20 Yeah, but yeah. with green and 11? white trim, not pink. Yeah. Yeah. And then, I don't. I like him. I'm big on pink on jerseys. Ian hates anything yeah, bright no. neon I don't think on a jersey. Be on kits, I just don't. I'm not sure. I'll probably be purchasing that as soon as I can find <laughs> a fake. I'll wear it on the pod. You gave him, you gave him a, also, the under 21 European Championship is underway. It's very interesting to watch. Let's go. Yeah, France have a dirty squad. Cheap, right. cheating. Bunch of first team quality players. I think Italy have a good squad too. England's probably not half bad. Yeah. Yeah. Todd Cantwell. I mean, I called up today. Are they kidding? Is that guy ever going to leave? Is he still in Norwich? Yeah, I think. And they're that's sh- tough. 
they should be getting. Yeah, they're back up. All looks... three of the teams might be back up that went down. Dang, didn't realize that. Tough to bank on it with the playoff, but right. Never know. Uh... All right, that, I think that will do it for us. Another episode of Demar Download, the first ever post game MSU Demar Download episode. Too Thanks for sticking with us. Way. Yeah, yeah. Unlucky way to end it, but um, under an hour this week. Good stuff. Don't make everyone wait around like usual. But, hey, good discussions usually when it's over an hour. Come yeah. on. Um, we have hoped that you found this episode, as always, to be in the great words of Ray Hudson. Magisterial. Join us next time.